Good morning, church. It's great to be together in the house of God. Shout out to everybody online and uh, in Mount Pleasant. But especially today, a huge shout out for our campus in Alma. We just love our brothers and sisters in Alma. The reason why I say that is because God has been doing such a fantastic thing in Alma, such a wonderful thing in that local uh, chapter of uh, community church. Uh, that they've been just packing out their services, and today they went from one service to two services. So can we just celebrate that together? Way to go. That, that is a big deal. And so to each of you and Alma, I just want to say praise God for all that he's doing in and through you and uh, in Gratia County. God is doing a great work in your lives. And to those of you who are like rolling your sleeves up and there you are rocking babies and looking after four-year-olds and make, getting in there early to get the coffee and the tech team and the worship and all the parking crew, I just want to say huge thanks for all the serving that you do. And then I want to give a challenge to everyone in, in Alma. If you're not in the game, go ahead and get on in the game because there's lots of kingdom work to be done. So praise God for all that God is going and doing through you guys. Well, welcome to a brand new series. If you are here for the first time, you've come at a great time. If you've been coming here for 42 years, you've been coming, you're coming at a really, really great time. And I'll tell you why. This series, um, and you'll see the words all over uh, our campuses, Elevate, uh, this brand new series, I think it's going to be a whole lot of the shape of things to come for this next season of ministry, in particular for the next two years of ministry. I think this particular series right here will be extraordinarily formative for the life and the expression of the local church for the next two years. Today is all about vision casting, and I pray that, there, that something is caught in your heart and that you find yourself, honestly, like excited and inspired by that, so much so that you would say, man, I want to be a part of carrying that into this upcoming season, starting right now, that we would see the Lord do some wonderful, fresh things uh, amongst us. Um, we are moving into a brand new season of ministry. For me, what today is all about is we are hoisting up the sails, and we are saying, God, we want to catch the wind of your Holy Spirit. That's what we want to be doing. And would you please direct our course in all of that? Quite simply, this series is asking and answering this simple question. God, how can we as a church serve you in an incredible way? Right here, right now. What can we do? It's a great, great question. I dare you to ask it. In fact, when's the last time you asked the question? Hey, God, what can I do for you today? Hey, God... How can I pour out my life for your honor and your glory? It's a great thing to say to your father. And collectively as a church, that is what we are doing right now. Hey God, man, we don't want to waste a moment. How can we spend ourselves to the glory and uh, honor of this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords? What is the activity of the Holy Spirit? And how can we dial into what you are about? For me, this is the kind of thing that you'll look back over your shoulder in a few years, and honestly, I think every one of you would say, you know what? I'm glad I was a part of that. Praise God that I was in a local church at a time where we made a difference. That you'll look back over your shoulder and you'll say, I think 
we genuinely made an impact, not just in our own lives, but for people who didn't know Jesus Christ. And for me, when you do that, there's like just zero regrets. I have moments in my life where I look back and I go, man, I was glad I was in the thick of it when all of that took place. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. This content, what we're going to preach, is so all in for us as a church and so formative for this next two years of the life of this church that we will be preaching this content right now today to all of our children, to all of our middle schoolers and high schoolers, to all of our college students at Unite. And please, God, if you are part of a community group, uh, this content is going to bleed into all of our community groups as well. The goal with this is that we would all roll up our sleeves together. I happen to have mine already rolled up. Look at that. I'm ready to go. Roll up our sleeves together, and we would simply dive in to saying, God, what does it look like for me to be obedient to you in this season of my life? What is the immediate vision and direction of the local church? The goal of this series is that 100% of every person who is listening to the sound of my voice would encounter Jesus Christ, particularly over this series, which will be five weeks long. I pray, even if you're here for the very first time, I pray that you would encounter Jesus Christ. You would bump into this the, the second person of the Godhead, and somehow you would encounter his love in a fresh, dynamic way in your life, so much so that it would cause you to turn around and, and say the same thing again. God, how can I pour out my life in the context of the local church to your honor and to your glory? So this is not your average series. This is not your average sermon. Buckle up. Here we go. Allow me to introduce this word to you. Elevate. You probably know what it means. It simply means to lift something up or to be lifted up. I like that word because this is what God has done for me. This is what God has done for you, amen? He has lifted our lives up. In fact, really specifically in the book of Psalms, it says that he has taken you out of a pit. What a thing for God to do. The language in the book of Psalms actually talks about he has taken you out of mud and mire. Imagine that God would do that for us. I find myself responding to God today just to say, thank you, God. Thank you that you would, and look at this word, that you would actually stoop to pick me up out of a pit of mud and mire. This is our redemption story. The extent of God stooping, which it's hard for me to get my head around because he is the creator of the universe. So, so it's like, well, why would you do that? The extent of him stooping is a scripture found in Philippians chapter 2 that kind of describes this so, so powerfully. Where it actually says, who being God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This is the language. It's actually a song in this book. But it says he made himself to be lower than the angels, that God humbled himself, that he was found to be in the nature of a servant, that he was found in human likeness. That's the Christmas story, the incarnation, that he humbled himself. Then there's this very peculiar description. I don't know that it's anywhere else in the Bible. It says that he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's a very specific scripture. And that, what I'm describing, is actually 
the full extent of God stooping to pick you and I out of a pit of mud and mire. Praise God, amen? Praise God that he would do that in our lives. Even death on a cross. So here we are, a people who have been lifted out of this broken mess that we are so often. So what is the only right response to that? To God, the creator of the universe, stooping into this pit to pick you and I out of that. That he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Well, for me, there's, there's only one right response. And that is that we then turn around and we say, all praise and glory and honor and power and dominion to the King of Kings. And actually in that verse, it goes on further and it says, therefore, what is the therefore? Therefore, because Jesus Christ did this, that he humbled himself, became obedient to death, took on the very nature of a servant. Therefore, what did God do? He said, he exalts his son and he gives to him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee would bow, every tongue confess his glory and his honor. Amen? Amen. What a a passage of Scripture. What if that word, elevate, were to become like a rally cry for us for the next two years? And every time you heard it, something inside of you would just say, man, he has lifted me up. Therefore, I will glorify him. What if that word became a rally cry for us at this next season for Community Church? A season where we lift up the name of Jesus Christ all the more. A season where we lift up the gospel and we elevate the gospel higher and higher in central Michigan and around the world so that, so that this church, the, the sails are hoisted up, we're catching the wind of the Holy Spirit and we never ever become just a group of people who meet for meetings' sake, on a Sunday, and we like each other, and we know each other, and how are you, and how are you, and then we go home and we live the rest of our lives. Today, as you came through the door, Alma, Mount Pleasant, you should have received a guidebook. Alma and Mount Pleasant in particular, if you did not get a guidebook, could I please put these into everybody's hands? Would you mind just taking a moment, everyone in Alma or in Mount Pleasant, if you don't have one of these in your hands right now, we've got some people who are going to run around, would you mind just putting your hand up? We've got a few over here, a few over here, and Alma, would you just take a second to do that as well? I would love to just put one in everybody's hands if we could. A few over here, and just take a moment and do these, uh, and hand these around if you would. If you are online, your host is going to put a link Um, uh, on the screen for you right now. And if you want to click on that, you will have access to this guidebook as well for you to use. Can I ask you, not only would you use them today, but bring them to church over the next five weeks. Hold on to them and carry them with you for this entire series if you would. It has room for your notes each week. It has community group questions for everyone who's engaged in community group questions. Connection group today, after the services, they'll be using that. It has a commitment card on it. We're not going to look at that today, but we will be looking at that in future weeks. Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some concrete detail vision pieces and future activity and direction of the local church with you right here and right now. But my concern is, is that it might be a little bit of a fire hose. And so everything that I'm going to share with you right now is in this guidebook. So if you find yourself listening today and going, man, there was a whole lot of wonderful, exciting things in there. But what was that other thing? And what was that detail? Well, you can just bring it home and you've got it all right here in front of you so you can reference it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to use this. I want you to keep it open. I want you to 
stick it on the kitchen table or somewhere that you're going to go back there again and again so that you can just read through it a few times. And I want you to write in it and use it and read it and pray over it, over particularly the content in it, asking God, Lord, would you please bless and would you please grant your favor over these plans that we have to serve you? Today, if you want to open up to page 24, you can take notes in there and you'll see all the community group questions on page 25. I'd like to look at a passage scripture that's found in Acts chapter 9 where we bump into a fellow by the name of Saul. To put it mildly, the gentleman that we're going to be looking at today, he is utterly evil. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. He hates people like you. Hates you. He hates followers of Jesus Christ so much that actually it's his full-time job to find them and hunt them and catch them and imprison them and to some actually to kill them. There's actually a passage in Scripture where, where he does that very thing. And he did that because he thought he was right. He actually hunted down Christians because he was filled with a righteous sense of indignation. Saul is very, very smart, smarter than the average bear. He's very well educated. There's a sense of prestige around this man because he has big position, he has big titles, and he would be respected widely. But he's wrong. He's just wrong. So you can have all the titles and prestige and respect, but you can be utterly wrong. In fact, he's like a thousand percent wrong in everything that he's doing. And he's a thousand percent convinced that he's right. In fact, I don't know that there's anybody that he would say, well, you're smarter than me and you're better educated than me. I don't think there's anybody out there who could possibly come up to this guy, Saul, and say, Saul, you need to knock it off because you're wrong. And let me tell you why you're wrong. He, he would just say, no, I'm smarter than you. Don't think there's anyone around who could change his mind or help him to see differently. He simply believes that Jesus Christ is a crook. That Jesus Christ is blasphemous. That Jesus Christ is a false prophet who simply leads people astray. And so, I'm going to catch anybody who has a devotion to Jesus, and I'll put them in prison, or I will kill them. Now, when I say that there's nobody who could help Saul, maybe that's not quite true. Because look what God does. And I'm not joking you. This story is insanely dramatic. Acts chapter 9, look at this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. He asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, that's a town, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly, here's God's interference right here, suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. At this point, Jesus has ascended into heaven. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Verse 8, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, 
and neither ate nor drank. So kind of a shocking story that we've got here. This man, how many people have you ever just heard described like this? He is a pious predator. That's what he is. He is imprisoning and killing Christians. And we see God intervening in his life in an incredibly dramatic way. Blinding light down on the ground, the voice of Jesus Christ, why are you doing this? Who are you? I'm Jesus. And now all of a sudden he opens his eyes, but he can't see anything. At the same time that God is dealing with Saul, God does something else in another man's life. It's a guy by the name of Ananias. God gives Ananias a vision and tells Ananias to go to Saul to help him. And Ananias, no surprise, responds and goes, I'm not doing that, God. There's no way I'm going near that guy because I know what he is. And I love Jesus and I follow Jesus. So he's like, God, you, you, you got your marching orders wrong here. I don't want to touch that guy with a 20-foot pole. Are you sure you know what you're doing? He's going to threaten me, imprison me, kill me. And God says, verse 10, the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Community church, would you look at that scripture very carefully? Online, Alma and Mount Pleasant. I want to speak the word of God over your life. Listen to this. You're a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. That is what God has called you to do. That is where we're hoisting up the sails. Verse 17, Ananias departed and he entered the house. You've got to notice a lump in his throat. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and he regained his sight and then he rose, and he was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem to those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Saul simply could not see the real Jesus. He couldn't see him. So God made him blind. It took God, and only God, to elevate his eyes to see the real Jesus. And God did that in a very dramatic and powerful way. Why? Why did God do that? What was God up to? And here's this one verse, and I leaned into it, but I want to lean into it again, that I think stands out hugely and applies to your life and my life and the life of this church at this very time. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Church, that's you and me. A chosen instrument of God 
to carry my name into central Michigan and around the world. Amen? This is the direction that God gives us. Community church, God's hand is upon you to do great things for his glory. I don't know if you, fi- if you find yourself like, I don't know if I fit into that category or not, or not. Listen to me. God's hand is upon you to do great things for his glory. Yeah, but you don't know my past, and I don't know if I'm quite there yet, and I don't know if I know enough Bible. Church, listen to me. God's hand is upon you to do great things for his glory. I want 100% of this church, every person listening to me, I want you to encounter Jesus Christ. I want you to bump into his love all over again, or maybe for some of you, for the first time in your life. I want to invite you personally and individual, individually to come and be a part of what the Lord is doing, that God would perhaps elevate your eyes to see the real Jesus. Jesus pulled you out of a pit of mud and mire, and here you stand today with your feet on holy ground. Praise God. To what end? Well, you see, you are his chosen instrument. His hand is upon your life to carry his name. What name? Well, we talked about this earlier. That would be the name above all names. The name that every knee would bow and every tongue confess. The glory and honor and magnificence and splendor of this king. So it begs the question, What are you looking at in your life? What is it that you gaze at with your own eyes? What distracts your eyes right now? What has become perhaps a source of spiritual blindness, but you don't know, you don't even know, because you're blind to what you don't see. And actually what it does is it prevents you from coming close to this king, this one who loves you. It prevents you from serving him and spending your life for his glory. I pray that God would give you a vision today. We sing the old hymn, Be Thou My Vision. There's something very powerful to that. I pray today that you would catch a hold of a vision, that he would elevate your eyes to see the real Jesus, that would spur you on to a place of being nothing short of an absolute sold-out servant of Jesus Christ. To get really specific, what I want to share with you right now is the concrete details of vision for this local church. I'm going to show you a video in just a moment, and I want to ask you, as you watch this video, to find your place in this vision. God, where do I fit into that? What could that possibly look like? Where would my face and my name and my family and the expending of my energies and my prayers for your glory fit into this picture? This video that you're about to watch without exaggeration, represents hundreds of hours of preparing and meeting and talking and praying and conversations with elders and staff and individuals in this church and then more meetings and then more praying and then more praying. This is a big deal. Check out this video, How Can I Serve You Best at This Time and in This Place. I've been blessed to call Central Michigan my home for quite a few years now. And in that time, my family and I, we have been on the receiving end of such a welcome from people, honest people, really wonderful people here. On top of all that, I've seen God do some incredible things, particularly through this local church. We see lives changed, people coming to Christ, marriages getting help, 
families being reunited, addictions being identified and addressed and moving towards healing. It's incredible to see the Spirit of God moving in hearts and minds. Look, we know that that is not as a result of just how clever we are or things that we can put together or our programs. It's God and it's a result of God's blessing and His leading for our church. We have seen incredible only God things over the last few years. We've launched new ministries and we have expanded through a multi-site approach, planted campuses, and seen dozens and dozens, scores of people make commitments of faith and being baptized and then impacting our communities with generosity over and over again. Now all of that, and I mean it, all of it, is as a result of God moving through this local church. But here's the thing, we don't want to rest on that and only look into the past. We don't want to simply let it be a fun part of our church history. No, we want to push forward, explore the future that God has laid out for us and continue to shift our focus away from just looking at us and looking at the world the way God sees it. So, where are we going? We are going to elevate our perspective. Church, we exist to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ, which means we're gonna fix our gaze upward, away from the here and now and the temporary and what's gonna pass, and our gaze goes to the work of God and that which is eternal. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're putting our relationship with Jesus Christ to the very forefront of our lives on a normal, everyday basis. Anything less than that, and we're not really being the church at all which is unthinkable because in a very real sense, Jesus Christ is the one who came to us and he elevated our lives. He's the one who has taken us out of a pit of sin. So what do we do with that? Well, you gotta just turn around and say, you have lifted us up. Man, I'm gonna glorify, and I'm gonna magnify, and I'm gonna elevate the name of Jesus Christ because we know this church, when we do that, when we elevate Jesus, he will draw all men to him. Community Church, we are on the brink of stepping into an amazing brand new season of ministry where God is going to use people like you and I, broken, marred, flawed in so many ways, but filled with the grace of God. I want to personally invite you to come and be a part of the season where we elevate and we lift up the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel all over Central Michigan and beyond. We have three major components to this initiative. Number one, elevating the gospel. Champion and fund all programming, staffing, and ministry that targets adults in existing campuses for the next two years, with an emphasis on leading people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. Continuation and expansion of missions ministry. Celebrate recovery weekly gatherings, weekly Sunday services, online broadcast through streaming and on-demand viewing. Launch a concerted and proactive discipleship initiative that equips and releases 200 new disciple makers. Take the gospel to unreached people groups in mid-Russia through one of our global partnerships. Two, expanding our reach in central Michigan. Upgrade and repair the St. John's campus with the intention of launching in December of 2022 with new leadership and a core launch team fully funded two years of ministry for the New St. John's campus. Renovate the new Alma facility with a targeted launch 
of 2023, set the groundwork for the opportunity to launch new campuses in central Michigan, support local community needs in Clinton, Gratiot, and Isabella counties. Three, empowering the next generation. Update portions of the Mount Pleasant campus to maximize attraction and use for children and youth of all ages. Adopt local schools in central Michigan by assisting in their stated areas of need. Sponsor impoverished children through a partnership with World Vision. Provide a tangible support system for those in our communities who are pursuing the adoption and or the fostering process. Fund two years of staffing and ministry focused on kids, students, and young adults at all campuses. Establish a relationship with Footprints Missions in Sierra Leone, Africa, by partnering with their ministry to orphans. We believe that God has uniquely positioned us in this unique community at this unique time in history to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Community Church, you are God's chosen instrument, all of us together, to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your invitation to come and be a part of Elevate. Praise God, praise God. I hope you find that exciting. I know there's a, that's the fire hose right there, guys. There's a lot of little bits in there, and so we're gonna tease these out over the next five weeks but I hope you find yourself something in there going, oh, yes, that's exciting. By the way, you want to know the, uh, the most unexpected thing about getting into a hot air balloon? It's not the height. That wasn't what bothers me. Every time they put on that heat, I thought I was going to lose what little hair I have left. It, like, roasts your head. He's, like, going to pull the thing. I was like, wait, wait for me. <laughs> it's hot stuff. But honest to goodness, I hope you find that exciting. I hope you find that inspiring. I hope you find something in all of that where you're like, man, I'll host up the sales as well. Let's catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Let's make an impact so that, man, if we were not here, it would actually matter. Something would get undone if we were not here. Two questions. Why do this? Why on earth would we do all of that? Seems like a whole great big pile of work. Are you sure? Why would we do that? And secondly, what are the resources going to be needed for something like that? So let me, let me tell you why we're going to do this. Let me tell you why this matters. Because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? We're not ashamed of it. In fact, we believe that that is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Because we cannot ever become a church that settles into this idea that we're just a bunch of people who meet here every week so we're good. It just can't become that. That is the death of a church. Because we are the only organization that exists on the planet Earth for those who are not yet a part of us. Do you know what I'm saying? People who are outside the family of God, we exist so that they will come and be in the family of God. We can never lose sight of that. Because lost people matter. Amen? Amen. Because we have been entrusted with the gospel in our feet, and on our lips. And because if Elevate had one motivating force behind it, if there was one driving motive behind it, one single thing, I would say it is this. It is the Great Commission to make new disciples. That's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. That's what God has called us to do. Anything less than that, a church on fire 
driving forward, preaching the gospel, and then we're a country club. Anything less than that, and we're just a gang of friends getting together. And that's unthinkable. Anything less than that, and we're playing church. Anything less than that is intolerable. And so I challenge you, would you catch a hold of this vision today and over the course of this series so so that you would also raise your sails? Today is not about money. We're not taking up any special offering. We're not doing that. Uh, We're not writing commitment cards. We will certainly talk about that in the upcoming weeks. Today, here's what I want you to do. Would you come before your father to simply ask him, God, do I have a place in this? God, where is my place in this? I'm going to ask you, would you be present in this series for these five weeks? Would you give this vision a chance to inspire you and to move in your heart and that it would actually begin to captivate your thoughts and your thinking? That it would catch a hold of you as you love Jesus and as we journey together. If I could ask one thing of you today, it is simply this. Would you make a commitment to making a commitment? Well, what, what does that mean? Make a commitment to make a commitment. Well, here's what I think this means. Would you take this seriously? And not just get on with the rest of your day. Something inside of you would say, Lord, would you allow that to linger? Would you allow me to think about this and to pray about this? Would you start praying very specifically about this season of ministry? Would you please commit to being here, particularly for the next five weeks? That you would say, well, I'm actually not going to miss a week. And if you have to miss a week, um, that you would catch up online and you can watch it on demand. Um, Would you start having conversations with family and friends? Maybe sit down with your spouse and begin to talk together. And just to ask the question, what's God calling us to do? Uh, What's our part in this? How can we serve the Lord? Uh, Would you read through the guidebook this week? Just leaf through it, keep it on the kitchen table, keep it in front of you, bring it back to church next week. Would you go to God and ask that question that I just posed at the very beginning of this time together? God, how can I serve you today? What would you have me do with this life that you've given me for your honor and for your glory? If Today, you're listening to all of that, and if you're being super honest, and you're like, actually, I've just got a ton going on right now. Uh, This just feels like another thing, and I don't know if I can make a commitment to this. Would you instead simply pray this prayer, God, would you give me the willingness to make a commitment to what you're doing in this place? I think that's a good prayer, too. I want 100% of this church to simply encounter Jesus Christ. And I think when you do, what happens is, then we, beyond, we come to this place where we say, Lord, how can I be obedient to you? And we just get in the game together. The second question are, what are the resources needed for this? And I'll go into more details over the upcoming weeks, but I'm going to lay this out quite quickly, but it's all in the guidebook, okay? So these are some numbers. We mentioned three things in that video. First was elevate the gospel, Over the next two years, the resources needed for that will be about $4.8 million. The second piece is we want to expand our reach in central Michigan. And again, over the next two years, that'll be just shy of $3.2 million. And then we want to empower the next generation, which will be $1.2 million. Now, if anyone here is really good at math, that is in and around 
$9.3 million. Somebody say amen. <laughs> what does that number do to you? I know what that number has done to me. I may have lost a little bit of sleep over the last few months coming to that number. Here's the thing. I refuse to lose sleep over something as trivial as that. Here's our goal. Our goal over the next two years is actually not $9.3 million. It's $8 million. We believe that is an appropriate and manageable, faith-filled, stretch-growing goal for our local church um, that we're going to bring before the Lord. I know that's a big number, but can I ask you, as a church, we refuse to serve the God, to serve our God filled with worry and anxiety. Amen? Like, just not doing that. And what the Lord provides, the Lord provides. Praise God. That's just how I feel about it. Whatever God does is what God does. And we will respond, and we will steward every penny to His glory as best as we can. All of Elevate is going to be stewarded through what we call a one-fund initiative. What is that? That simply means that all of our giving, tithes, uh, offerings, people who give extra gifts, whatever it is, all of our giving into the local church will be directed through one single filter of Elevate. So we're not going to have little pockets for this here, there, and there. Everything in terms of the vision of the church is moving in one direction so that we can accomplish the vision that was just laid out that we watched in the video. We'll take a closer look at our finances in the next few weeks together. Next week, I want to show you an illustration that I actually showed at the church here about three years ago. Um, uh, where I had a ladder somewhere around here. And if some of you remember that, that's fantastic. But I'm just very aware that we have new people coming to our church all the time. So I want to show it fresh. Uh, what I nickname that is, I call it the giving ladder. And the reason why I like it, it's just an illustration, is because it shows you exactly where you are at in terms of like, uh, am I a generous person? Where is my generosity in Christ right now? And it'll just, it's just an illustration. And afterwards, you're going to look at it and you say, that's where I am. And then the other thing that it does is it shows you what would be one step for me to move forward in my generosity. So it's a great little illustration, and we'll look at that. Three years ago, what I'm referring to is we had a season, if you can believe that was three years ago, we had a season of ministry that we called Advance. And it was incredible. And I remember sitting down with my wife, Kelly, and talking about our giving. And uh, I remember during that period of time, I told a story about myself, which I don't really like telling, but I admitted and I'm going to admit it again because I'm a very nice pastor, that my history with money looks like this. That's me. I'll just say that very honest with you. And my jokey, jokey thing, actually, which is very, very true, is I, and I'm going to say it like in 30 seconds, is I told the story like three years ago of when I was seven years of age, I made my first Holy Communion. I grew up in the Catholic Church. And in Ireland, when you make your first Holy Communion, you visit every neighbor, friend, and relative that you didn't even know existed on the planet. And you show up at their door, and you've got your shirt and tie on, and your shorts, and your blazer, and you're all looking very nice. And you go in there, and it's your first Holy Communion, and there's a cup of tea, and all that kind of stuff. And then 
you leave. And as you're walking out the door, your great uncle that you've never met before in your life, he gives you what I call the golden handshake. Do you all know what the golden handshake is? There you go, son. And then you're like, what's in your hand there, buddy? And in his hand is like three pounds or five pounds. And when you're seven years of age, you're like, I've never seen money like that before. So the joke that is still ongoing about me in my family to this day is that Alan Cullen still has his communion money. Because at the end of that day, you have collected more money than you've ever seen in your life. And so to this day, I'm 47 years of age, my mother will come up and say, Alan, where's your communion money? And I'm like, I'm not telling you where my communion money is. And so all that to say, that's all code for you stingy Scrooge with your money. I've always been tight-fisted. But here's what the incredible thing is. When Kelly and I sat down at advance and we talked about generosity, and I'm like, well, I know where I'm at in the giving ladder, and I know what we give, and what we give is what we give. And I'm like, there you go, Lord. That's what you can have, and that's about as much. And it was like this time where I wanted to come before God and say, Lord, that's got to go on the table for me as well. And so we did. We prayed. And do you know what God revealed to me? I was so grateful for this. It doesn't solve everything because I have to step into obedience. But God showed me something about myself. He showed me why I am the way I am. And some of you will relate to this. The reason why I'm like that is because I have this thing that I carry in with me all my life that has been, what if there's not enough? What if something goes wrong? What if I don't have? What if the sky falls? What if this thing doesn't work out? What if I don't have that? What if there's not enough? And I'm telling you right now, that's not what God wants for my life. And I was actually very grateful to God. I was like, God, I never understood that about myself. And then I was able to pray about that and come before the Lord in new obedience and generosity, to which I find myself, Lord, saying, it is a pleasure to go from here to here because all that I have belongs to you, Lord. And that's something that God just did in my life. And I'm grateful to the Lord for that. Next week, I'm going to share the vision again because I know that that video, there's a lot of information. And I'm going to show you exactly where you're at on the giving ladder. And I pray that you would encounter Jesus Christ in the context of your own generosity. I pray that you would experience firsthand the faithfulness of God in your life. So would you come on this journey with us for the next five weeks? Would you make a commitment to making commitment to what the Lord is doing in this place? God introduces such a great change to Saul, he actually changes his name. He says, Saul, I'm not going to call you Saul anymore. I'm going to call you Paul. And then these are the words at the very end of the chapter that we've just looked at in in Acts chapter 9 that sums up what was happening in in Paul's life. It says this, verse 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Church, can we pray together? Father, thank you for the call of God upon our lives. We pray for the urgent non-negotiable, life-changing message of the gospel that it would spread like wildfire in central Michigan. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in Mount Pleasant, for the work of God in Alma, for the new work that's just around the corner in St. John's. You are putting the pieces together. You're putting the right people in the right place exactly where you want them. I pray that we would become a powerhouse of disciple makers that would multiply and multiply and multiply. Thank you, Lord. We trust you. We trust you with tomorrow. 
We trust you with our tight fists because we believe that you are faithful. And we are grateful for the invitation to serve you together on purpose. The sails are up, Lord. We ask you for the wind of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's church together said, Amen. Amen.